Welcome to the acclaimed podcast, The Deep Dive, featuring your esteemed hosts, Andy Monitor and Drew Dinzik, powered by Betsperts. Welcome to The Deep Dive. Andy, we are going to put a bow on the month of June here and move into July, which is one of my kind of low-key favorite sports months, not because of the sports like extravaganza, but because it's a little bit, you get a little bit of a breather, you know, you get a little bit of um, a a respite, a respite. NBA playoffs are over. NHL playoffs are over. MLB, I don't care about it in one way or another anyway. So I don't mind that, uh, you know, that that's going on in the background, but there are a couple of sports events that I do care a ton about that are contested in the month of July. And they're both in Europe. So who better? Coney to... Island is not <laughs> oh Europe. Oh, my really. God. I can't believe I forgot about the hot dog eating Fri- Maybe oh Friday we'll talk. I don't know what you're we'll, – we'll talk. Oh, yeah. Let's do a special little mini mini bonus hot dog pod on Friday. I forgot the hot dog eating contest. Great memories been. there, man. Um, but, uh, no, the the of course, the events that I'm referring to, we have Wimbledon going on on grass in London uh, at the All England Croquet and Lawn Tennis Club and uh in wimbledon and uh, of course the tour de france which starts in copenhagen denmark this year on friday uh so to help us break down these two events what are we seeing so far on the grass where can we go to allocate some capital in the futures market if anywhere uh and what to expect in the tour de france we welcome to the for the first time ever to the deep dive pod even though we have known this fellow this handicapper from behind the scenes about five years now we've been talking tennis with him. Uh, it is modern tips, ten, modern tips. Sorry, man. It is modern tip tennis uh, on Twitter. Uh, it is Vinny. He is from Germany. Welcome. First time ever guest of the deep dive. How are you doing this evening, sir? It's uh, already in the night, 1 a.m. My time, yeah, but good. yeah, feeling great. We're, uh, we're, we're almost in July. Actually, you know, what? there is one, there is one more day yeah. in June for you, but. Yeah, but no, feeling great. Uh, excited to talk some sports with you. And yeah, let's get let's get it going. Yeah, I don't. <laughs> and know sorry what... for my sorry for my broken English in advance. <laughs> Maybe it gets better. <laughs> I think you're pretty good. You might be better than me at some points. Honestly, mm, sometimes sure. I just I spit a lot of ums. Um, see, <laughs> Jesus, God, now I'm I'm in my own head now. So yeah, five like five years. How long is Tennis or get the fuck out been up like it's been six years, maybe five, six. Yeah, it's been yeah. a long time since we had this this uh Twitter DM group, but I don't know. Like, have you been doing it longer than that? We just kind of stumbled upon people who were betting on tennis that weren't crazy yeah. people to beat their chess, and we invited them to the <laughs> tennis chat. And like, yeah. you were always a nice guy, so I, I don't know how long, how long have you been actively, you know, Twitterizing your tennis ca- handicapping? <laughs> like five years or so uh, i still know i was just um um setting up an account and then a few weeks later an account named whale capper um started interacting <laughs> and uh, invited me to a tennis chat and yeah it was my first ever chat i i was invited in and yeah also the best pool of people i've ever interacted with i, I would say <laughs> 
Yeah. So a little bit of background here. The tennis chat was originally conceived in a way that we could have as many people with eyes on as many matches as possible, all kind of, you know, just sort of chip in. What are you seeing? What are you, you know, what is your handicap saying? You know, it, it is, uh, it is extremely valuable as everyone knows to have a network of people who are like equally engaged in any given handicapping of a specific sport. Um, and I think, um, you know, one of the things in particular that I'll give uh, Vinny credit with, um, you know, over the years, it has felt like you have had as good a read, if not better than anyone else I know on like the up and coming players, like anything that's going on sort of at the challenger or even lower levels. It does feel like you see these guys coming a mile away um, and are not surprised at all when a guy like, uh, you know, you know, I I guess Alcraz is not a great example because he never played challengers. But when a guy comes up through the rankings and then all of a sudden bursts on the scene and is, uh, you know, competing for titles, it almost certainly is a guy I first heard about because you were like, hey, this guy's gay not priced correctly he's gonna uh he's gonna be a, a um you know a a contender here so uh thank you for that first and foremost and i guess um yeah he puts the tweets know. out like it, it's almost like the debbie guys in college football that are putting these like hey watch out for this kid and he's like you know an eighth grader playing football and stuff and you know those never i feel like those never hit but yeah you do yeah <laughs> i don't know if you do those every year but you've done that at like in the off, yeah. you know, there, there's no off season for tennis, but there is kind of this month of break in you know December-ish where there's not good tennis. There's, and you, I think it's usually around the beginning of the year you put out a tweet of here's a bunch of people and they're all ranked like 1500th in the world and they're like yeah, thirteen, exactly. th- some 13 year old kid from Morocco and like watch out, <laughs> watch you know, watch out for these 20 guys and there's always like a bunch of them that hit every. It is, it is kind of wild and you know, yeah, a, a big thing we talk about. About too with a lot of the handicapping we say like hey you want to make some money bet derivatives bet smaller leagues don't try to beat nfl sides on day one and you've really kind of run with that too with some of the just beating up on some challenger lines beating up on some of the smaller events like that stuff that stuff is uh it's not all your bread and butter but it seems to be you know something you do really well yeah, and of course, if you want to find Vinny on Twitter again, I'll get it right this time. It's at Mater Tip Tennis, so M A T T E R Tip Tennis. And again, been a solid contributor to the community, pumping out free previews, which I appreciate. You know, and and uh, kind of actually leading by example, not giving uh, the tennis players themselves a hard time over winning and losing results, which is kind of like a weird blight that is really going on right now. And is, you know, kind of giving at least the sports bettors who care and bet about bet on tennis a a bad name. Uh, And if you look Vinny up on Twitter, um, you see, he has had the same profile picture for a long time, forever, for a long time. I think it's only been the one. Yeah. Is it only this is your yes. original profile pic? Okay. Yeah. All right. It's if I'm not mistaken, it's uh it's uh Guga Curtain, right? Right. Okay. And what what is going on? He's holding like a trophy over his head that's like dirt and gravel. What's <laughs> what is an, going I on? I thought it was picture? an ant farm. What's going <laughs> they gave him like an ant farm as a trophy one year? What do you uh, do you know what do you know what this uh uh do you know what this uh picture is from? It looks like uh, some sort of uh, either celebratory or retirement ceremony, maybe. Um, pretty sure that was his first uh, win at the French Open. Ah. Um, yeah, I, I only remember the the T-shirt, so pretty sure that was in 1997. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah, and that was also the uh, the tournament that brought me to 
to the sport of tennis. And yeah, Guga was my first uh, favorite player. Don't know why. One-handed backhand. Always <laughs> loved it and yeah, fell in love with him and with the sport. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah. So this was, a, he's but, of yeah. course Brazilian and yeah. Okay. So they're holding, it's a, it's a slice of clay court with basically the clay, the, uh, the binder, and then the two gravel layers <clears throat> under it in like a trophy. That must've been the, what they used to give them when you win, when your your first uh, French open back in the day, I definitely wasn't following in the nineties. I, I wasn't following that closely, but it's funny. I like, you know, you had a favorite player and you probably would have liked tennis anyway, just because you're European and what else are you going to do besides that in soccer? But like, think about that, Drew. Do you think we'd like tennis as much if we weren't our age? Because American <sighs> tennis, when, when we were younger, we had Agassi, Sampras, Chang. Like we had, there was good players like now. If you like, who, who are you cheering for as an American tennis fan? Oh, definitely. Your Corda, Corda's up Korda, and coming. Yeah. Taylor Fritz. It's, it's better Actually, now, but this I, Wimbledon has been kind of a breakout for a bunch of Americans. That's fair, players. but like a couple, even yeah. in the past, like, the past like five years. Yeah, they were. We we had we had some lean years. Uh, the big the 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 um the John Isner era was rough. Uh, was a rough go. Um, well, we had we had some of this era as well in Germany until Zverev came onto the tour. Yeah, uh, yeah. I think so you have ever, any if- any cheering? Yeah. Sorry. You have any uh, cheering for che- cheering interest with Zarev at all? Or uh, uh, nope. <laughs> hard to cheer for. <laughs> He's tough yeah, to cheer hard for. Hard to yeah. cheer for. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, in general, I don't have any um, favorite players anymore. Yeah, Only it's like that make us money. Yes. Yeah, it's like being a <laughs> Cleveland Browns fan. Like, yeah, he's from here, but like, do I, do I have to cheer for him? That is weird. They <laughs> just gave is. him a bunch of rocks and shit. That's awesome. They gave him a slice Connors, of the course. It's like a cross section of what the course course looks court looks like. This is this is how old food snob frog is. Connors, he says the real Americans are Connors and McEnroe. Not that old. I do remember the tail. <laughs> I remember the tail end of that. Jesus. <laughs> Well, um, and I and I do I do remember tennis. visiting yeah. family and like there was that a little bit of a golden age boy howdy like when I'd visit my grandparents in Germany, it was all Boris Becker, Steffi Graf. That's that's what was talked about. Like uh, my grandpa knew like six words in English, and so he just looked at me sometimes and said Boris Becker, <laughs> <laughs> the goofy dude. But yeah, let's get, let's Wimbledon. As long as we're talking, Big John, he's ripping through. No, we don't want to talk Big John. Put that on the back burner. No, we're not talking Big John. No, I want to ask Vinny a little bit about his process. Let's start there. Um, okay. So how do you go from being a, a tennis fan in Germany um, to becoming a tennis handicapper? What are some of the stages early on where you're like, okay, like it's more it's – more, there's more skin in the game if I'm making a prediction here. And, uh, you know, how did you go about, uh, you know, kind of finding your, your form as a, as, a, as a sports better? Well, actually um... – it all started with me being a, a problem gambler. Like, I guess all of us started there. And yeah, as I as I always loved tennis, I also bet a lot of tennis and lost a lot on tennis. And yeah, all started with me uh, losing like um, the last leg of a eight-game parlay uh, with match point up or something and lost it and then all the other... Uh, money went to some South Korean women's volleyball or whatever. 
and yeah eventually i grew up and then i tracked my bets of course on excel and then i also thought uh let's get these picks out on on a platform and i think it was a platform named tipster uh, which i first signed up up for and yeah they had uh, some twitter tips as well and then i uh, thought yeah let's let's go to twitter as well i haven't been there either before and yeah then then i met all these beautiful people like you and <laughs> yeah and and some of the others too and yeah started tweeting and it went all right since then so i'm still around now yeah tracking helps it really does like i was i was really if you don't track you you just see uh i was winning 100 200 bucks and then lose it all on, on a silly night and when sure. you track you when you track you you can see oh i'm 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 like I'm betting boring, but I, I still get something out of it. And yeah, it's more fun when you actually see, oh, I'm I'm actually winning. Yeah. Yeah, that's a, it's funny how that works. You make if you make like nine bets in in a night, and you know, tennis is high volume. And if you don't track it and you start you lose you win one, you lose one, you win one, you lose one, then like the, the line between going five and four and four and five kind of blurs. And you just like I don't remember what it was. It was probably five and four. Like I'm probably up. And then as it turns down, you're down. You're down like 1.8 units because of the juice. If you actually look, so that that was probably one of the biggest steps I took too. But I mean, just as far as like, I mean, you 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 win. You you tend to do pretty well on this stuff. Was it just like tracking and deciding I'm better at this kind of markets or, you know, I, I guess. And you said playing an eight leg parlay and then dunking it all on like South Korean volleyball afterwards. That's that's that's, <laughs> that's, that's a big part of it too. But I mean, yeah. did, did you start to discover you know what kind of markets you were better at, like certain types of players, or just kind of discovering discovering what made you good at betting tennis eventually? Yeah, only really did that in the last three or four years, I think. So uh, I think it was just uh, age dependent. When you're out of school in your tw uh, early 20s and you're just doing stupid things. So I think that was that was the, for the most part it. And then, yeah, for the last four or five years, I also tracked, like, how do I do in WTA, ATP, Challenger, ITF? And stuff, and so yeah, that that of course helped even more. But yeah, there's still a lot of things I can improve on, I guess. Okay, so how do you go about um, kind of preparing for a slam? And does a slam in general? Do you have more volume? Is there more liquidity? Do you f see more success at this level, or is are some of the weeks you look most forward to, uh, like? you know, the, a random Italian challenger uh, kind of a week? Um, no, of course, I'm looking forward to the Grand Slams. But uh, for me, as I still try to uh, cover the challengers, it's, it's pretty, uh, um, how do you say it, overwhelming or yeah. so many bets. Uh, also, the qualifying weeks, they are the most fun for me to bet on. Um, yeah, so also the first... Uh, first one or two rounds are the best for me at Grand Slams because uh, later on if Djokovic plays Alcaraz or Nadal the market is uh, pretty 
informed and it's not easy to to take an ad advantage then but yeah for some of these younger or yeah unknown players i think i am pretty good to spot their value in the market especially like you said in qualifiers and yeah it is it is the nature of tennis where the beginning like monday is just hell it's like oh there's there's infinite matches today and if you if you decided to do wimbledon and you know some other smaller challenger events like monday a monday with a slam is insane with the amount of matches there's to look at and handicap and then tuesday isn't that much better it's the same thing like those first two days are nuts and it's funny too i was thinking about this a little bit with golf like i don't know if i differentiate from a betting standpoint Although, like, I don't mind the smaller events, but the same as, like, Vinny said, I like to watch the big, like, I want to watch the U.S. Open for golf over, you know, watching the John Deere this week. Like, the John Deere, this is the worst field we'll probably see in, we've seen in a while. It's It's been pretty rough, but at the same time, I'm like, you know what, I'm not betting on, like, the the big names anyway. Like I'm going halfway down the board for a lot of my matchups anyway. So what do I care? Like it's just more of the more of the trash for me to sift through. So I don't mind it personally, but from like a watching, yeah, like from an you're still a fan. You still enjoy the sport. Like obviously the pomp or the and circumstance around Wimbledon, yeah. you know, it's 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 probably the best slam, Drew, isn't it? Oh yeah, without question. Um, so let's uh, let me ask you a specific question because you brought up a player I wanted to get your opinion on, um, and it is Alcaraz. So you have again, I think a, a pretty unique eye for kind of spotting the talent as it's coming up and seeing the players progress and kind of knowing who's going to be able to make an impact. Coming into Wimbledon with uh, you know what two grass pro matches in his career and hardly anything at the junior level, I had relatively low expectations for Alcaraz, um, and his draw was brutal. I mean, frankly, <clears throat> drawing Struff in round one was awful. Drawing Griegspor in round two was awful. Having to go through potentially Andy Murray and then Djokovic to get to a semifinal, like forget about it. Like forget about it. He, he has no chance. Like this is this is it's over before it started. And then I watched all of that first round match. I watched a lot of the second round match today, and I have to say, it feels like he is learning a lot about playing on grass in the moment. And it feels like he's learning a lot between the French Open and Wimbledon so far about how to manage a best of five tennis experience, which is something that you don't just know, especially if all of your success this year has come at the best of three level. Um, am I reading too much into performances that he's given us to date? And do you think that ultimately this runs out? Uh, or do you think um, there is something there where his growth in the moment could prepare him to potentially go toe to toe with a multiple time champion like Djokovic. Well, I wouldn't go that far, but yeah, I also had the same expectations as you. I, I opposed him against Truth, <clears throat> which was successful. And today again against Greek Sport, which hasn't been su successful. And yeah, um, he always had the game for these fast hard courts or grass, but yeah, as you said, we just haven't seen it yet. And I'm also impressed. But yeah, what's also um, bothering me about this Fortnite is his elbow. I'm not sure if maybe that hinders him at some point. And his next uh, opponent, Oscar Orte, is also pretty decent. I think that could be 
surprised and I'm gonna uh, oppose him for a third straight time even though I, <laughs> I do I do agree that that he really made uh, significant strides on grass and yeah he'll he'll win probably every grand slam and Wimbledon as well <laughs> but uh, but I guess um, takes another three or four years it's it is funny that we have this with two and it's not the same you know it's not the same as our girl the Polish princess, but it was like, it's funny how we have a couple of high end players where it's like, man, we just don't have a sample on grass. Like, I don't know. I like, she, she, <laughs> Anyone's just, guess. It, well, and it, it is kind of turning into the same thing where I don't, I don't expect him to go and beat Joker on grass. Like, it doesn't matter how good it is. Like, but it's same thing with her. It's like, uh, you know, maybe just having a skill level that's just so bleeping high. It's like, well, you just have so much natural ability and talent that you can just kind of learn grass on the fly. It's like watching, you know, someone, you know, who just gets it, just play chess right away. Like, how are you doing that? Like I, I, I sit and agonize over this and you're just seeing three moves ahead. It's the same kind of thing. You just see him like, Oh, he just, he gets it. He just gets it. Yeah. I, I, I will also add beyond just the getting it part of it. I felt like Alcaraz, the French open was wearing the weight of expectation pretty heavily like he felt like it felt like a lot of parts of the matches he was kind of pressing particularly the match against Zverev that he lost like the first two sets of that match it was like a different player than the guy we saw in Madrid than the guy we saw in Indian Wells you know it was in Miami like it was like uh he would he he the expectation was there for him to do well in that tournament and he didn't really love that and now without expectations it kind of feels like he's playing a little bit more like ah, if i lose to stroof in round one big deal but i don't really feel like losing so i'm gonna win <laughs> you know <laughs> and and i it'll be interesting matchup against oscarat you're right um german oscarat by the way a guy german you can cheer for um the he has only lost uh He's only lost five games so far, getting to the third round of this tournament. Of course, one of them was because <laughs> Christian Harrison retired 3-1 today. Um, but uh, he was incredible against Goyewicz in uh, in round one. So, uh, And Ott, in general, has been pretty good on grass. So that'll be a very real test. And, uh, you know, maybe Alcraz, if he comes through, will learn more. Um, but um, I like him against either Sinner or Isner in the fourth round, certainly. Uh, and at that point, he'll pr presumably meet up against Djokovic in the quarterfinal. So Djokovic hasn't necessarily been as impressive, particularly in that round one match against uh, against Quan, but bounced back and kind of handled Kokonakis easily today. He draws countryman Kekmanovic in the third round. Uh, but <clears throat> I think that fourth round match is the one that a lot of people are interested in because he potentially plays Tim Van Rithoven who came out of absolutely nowhere to win Andy's favorite tournament on the calendar, Hertagenbosch. Um, did you see this coming from Ritho, Ritho, Van Rithoven? And do you think he gives us a match? You know, does he get by Basilashvili and does he give us a match against Djokovic? Um, he might get pa past Basilashvili. It's 50-50 for me, but he won't, won't stand a chance against Djokovic, I don't think. Um, yeah, just like with Akaras, I think if if he starts thinking about what what he's achieving, and at some point that that will kick in against Djokovic, uh, he will he will just be too good, too experienced. But yeah, I, I, to answer the other question, I did not see that coming. Um, who did he beat? Medvedev, uh, Ozil Lesim, 
He beat, beat everyone. It was a, it was not a, that was not a, um, a fluky a run. Honestly, mm-hmm. he beat some impressive players. Although uh, Medvedev is a wild card. Sometimes he brings it on grass. Sometimes he completely looks lost. So I don't know how so, much you want and, to weigh that, but the thing too, with Medvedev too, is like how much, how much stock would you put into like, Oh, I better get my grass game up for the slam when you're not going to the slam. Like it felt like in, I don't know, maybe people, I didn't hear people touching on that a lot. And it's a lot of hindsight by me now saying that, but like, if you look back at it with the, the, you know, the benefit of hindsight, it's like, man, if you can't play in the grass slam, like why would you get excited to get up for a surface that, I mean, it's the least played surface outside of carpet, which I think they need to bring back. I mean, it looked to me at least like he pushed himself into three tournaments so that he could get ranking points and money to make up yeah. for what he wasn't going to get money-wise at Wimbledon, and he could lock up enough ranking points to have great seating uh, for his title defense at U.S. Open. Yeah. Um, but they some of his losses were, the we, were real head-scratchers. Um, yeah, Ben Rithoven beat Taylor Fritz on that run, Felix and, and uh, Medvedev, as well as Gaston and Ebden. Um, so, yeah, it was an interesting little uh, stretch there. But um, I, I hope he can give Djokovic a match. I hope he can do a little bit of damage because I'm starting to get a little bit of excitement that uh, Alcaraz could break through here, uh, frankly. And <clears throat> your points are all fair. Oscar Ott's going to be a tough test. I wouldn't lay the games with Alcaraz there even with my worst enemy's money, but uh, I think he can find a way and give us at least some interesting head-to-head against Djokovic because still in the back of my mind, the way Djokovic played at times on the clay – I don't 100% know that he is all the way back um, from whatever was happened to him earlier this year, um, <clears throat> which means I think we have a little bit of a vulnerable favorite here still at Wimbledon, and that's not a popular take right now. But uh, if not him, then who is the question? Uh, is there anyone in Q2 of the men's draw that you have an existing future on or any kind of hope in what has turned out to be the weakest quarter we have seen in a men's slam in a long time <laughs> actually yeah uh, i'm on david Goffin to win the quarter at plus 3300 oh boy was that 33 the one is 3300 yeah. right yeah i'm pretty excited about this one but he'll probably lose to hugo umber next round that's just you can, how you can just straight go. up use you can just straight up use decimal odds like we should yeah. make, we should, we're trying to normalize that anyway. It's easier <laughs> if you use this spreadsheet already, you have to convert to decimal odds. You know, you're doing it in your formulas, guys. So he's no, he's 30, he's $34, 34 yes. euros. So 34, uh, Umber is a tough test. Tiafo lurks, Bublik lurks, Nori lurks, Paul lurks. Like these, those six guys have yeah. all played fine lately. Um, but uh, you're not alone, by the way, in having a little enthusiasm for GoFan. Jeff Sackman's uh, Elo uh, kind of predicting that uh, I believe he's the highest likelihood at, to come out of that quarter right now Ooh. at 40. He's given him he's given him a 26 percent chance of making the semifinal round. Um, so you that have a little bit nice. of a <laughs> better, than, yeah. definitely better chance than 34. <laughs> That's for sure. Um, but, uh, yeah, yeah, no, I think yeah, you got to feel pretty encouraged about his performance today where he absolutely throttled Baez. Um, and, uh, yeah, Umber is a, a little bit of a wild card. At least, you know, he's French. So you got that going for you. Um, you know, any, uh, any 
I guess, anything that you could say about the way that the crowd is supporting their Brits that would carry uh, Cam Norrie, who is otherwise an underwhelming player, um, into a, a semifinal appearance here? Yeah, I, I thought he was the favorite to win the second quarter, but uh, his, his match today it did not convince me at all. Maybe in the end, in the end he, he improved, but you shouldn't need five sets against Raumi Munar. Um, yeah, not sure how the, the fans can can push him. Uh, I'm not sure if he's he's open for to getting pushed like like Medvedev is or people like that. Um, but yeah, looking at the draw, he's he's he should be the best player in there against Johnson, who has a good serve, but yeah, just not consistent enough. And then against Tommy Paul, Gigi Vesely. Who would have expected these guys here? No. <laughs> yeah. No, I had I had a little bit of a Fakina to win the quarter. So Jerry Vesley, I yeah. What are you gonna do? I guess if you're gonna lose to Jerry Vesley, you're dead to me anyway. So, <laughs> so I, you're I not do gonna, like you're not, I guess for, for Vinny, you're not gonna take any uh, uh, other players in that quarter to cover your art your equity you already have on GoFan? Not at this point. Uh, I was thinking about Nori plus 600 yesterday, but uh, didn't do it. And now now he's plus 250 or so. 250, yeah. Yeah, no. If it's a good one, exchanges. Like, do you have exchanges? Just take, um, just not take for some this. Just some golf fan know it, like minus 3,000. <laughs> That's not enough equity. No, you want I more know, than that. I know, I know. Um, so what's uh, what kind of price would you expect if Cam Norrie and GoFan are your is your second quarter quarterfinal? Probably like Norrie minus one fifty, minus okay. one thirty eight, something like that. <clears throat> Small favorites. I like that. Um, then ride GoFan. There's no point. Yeah, there's no reason to uh, no reason to uh, to blink on that one. Then um, third quarter, of course, was the story. The story of the quarter, maybe the story of Wimbledon so far, was the uh, uh, the COVID withdrawal by Matteo Berrettini. Um, you think anyone had him? You know, had a kind of a, a really good price on him, but void no runner. Got their money back, Andy. Did you hear I mean- anyone? Where any, I, I did. I did see avoiding? somebody. Yeah, I did see somebody say that. Like, they, it was just a tweet, and they said something along those lines. Like, they might have had him on a quarter price or something, and they said, "Well, at least I got my money back because he didn't. He didn't take the court. You know, it'd been one thing because yeah, he didn't play right. None. No, he yeah. didn't. He didn't take. Yeah. The court, so yeah. like, yeah, I mean, some of those people. You know, if you take some of those really deep futures, like. The future future books, like I'm betting on the Aussie Open right now. A lot of those, it's harder for, I guess on my end, maybe in Europe or Canada, it's easier. It's harder for me to find void no runner markets. Like I, I know Bo is big on that. Like, hey, I'm betting this and it's a it's a void no runner or no runner void, however you want to say it. But for me, uh, most of the stuff, if I bet that far ahead of time to try to get a great number on somebody I think is, you know, ascending, those are all getting, those are all just going to be, all bets are action kind of stuff. So if you bet them right before the tournament, you probably get your money back though. 
Okay. Well, uh, the third quarter right now is a hot mess. Section five in particular, which had four lucky losers <laughs> in section five. Yeah. I don't remember ever seeing this before. Um, but uh, one of them advanced to the second round. I don't know this player at all. One way or the other, he's French. Uh, taking on Christian Guerin. That's like, oh, that's an easiest one to skip from tomorrow in terms of watching. I can tell you that much. Um, but uh, as you look at the third quarter right now, Vinny, where are your liabilities and what do you expect uh, – um, particularly on that bottom half where you have so many good players left. Yeah, fortunately, I, I also have a Bautista Gut future. And yeah, feeling quite good about that against Galan and then Shapovalov or Nakashima. What's your, get what, out was of your, that. Uh, what was your RBA price? Um, Bet365 had some weird lines out there. They had uh, him to win the quarter at plus 1,600. Um, to win the title at plus 150, 100, and to reach the final at uh, plus 126. So, oh, wow. Uh, that doesn't make any he'd, sense. He'd be a minus 500 100 favorite against Djokovic. <laughs> <laughs> that's so, so yeah, I, that's yeah. what I took, like uh, plus 12600 uh, to reach the final. It's weird when derivatives don't match up. It's not weird when derivatives don't match up from one book to another. Like, oh, this is a really good to reach the final price, and I bet the to win it elsewhere. But that was all. That was all at three six five. Yeah, that's dumb. That's super. Oh, <laughs> well, I mean, good, <laughs> good sloppy. for you though. That's a good price. Yeah, no, I was thinking uh, Shapovalov. Yeah, he was hasn't been in the best form to say the least. <laughs> and you're not. Yeah, so you're, you're not sweating. And you're actually. You're only sweating one um, match, which is the fourth round. Yeah. Plus match. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> which of those two players would you rather face? Uh, I was thinking Tsitsipas, but it's also the fourth round, so Kyrgios might run out of gas already. So yeah. <laughs> I would be. Uh, Positive against both. I like it. I would give me curious if I have RBA because that's exactly the type of player that he loses his yeah. mind against. You know, just like yeah. a guy who's no emotion, robotic. Like you know, curious is very, uh, um, you know, very easily could lose he his, on lose his cool in that. <laughs> I mean, curious is. Let's be serious, though. He's not getting there. He, t- you know he took five. It took five sets to get by Paul Jub. Um, Jub, you know what he Jub, is? Yeah. An absolute pelican. <laughs> That's my favorite thing. I don't remember who he was arguing with on on Instagram, but he called him he called him a pelican. That's like, such a weird. And I don't know. Maybe it's an Aussie thing. If you're yeah, if you're an Australian, and like if people say that like every day in like everyday life in Australia, I need to know at this point. Somebody from down under has to tell me. But that's I call my kids that sometimes now. You just be a pelican. You almost have to put the absolute in front of it to make it. <laughs> Absolute no, it's, and and to, I mean to Vinny's point too. He is a guy who flames out, or I don't know, just tends to wear himself out with longer matches. Where he's he's never had one where it's like, man, he just unemotional win. Just kind of came in, routine the guy, didn't say much, and won. Like he's he's leaving a lot out there emotionally too, just because he's a spaz. So yeah, him him going deep is just not a thing in a at a tournament like this for the most part. Yeah, so. 
I don't disagree with any of that. If Curios does something, it'll be more surprising than if he has a meltdown on court. Um, calls a um, calls the umpire a pelican. Um, the uh, the we mentioned three Americans made it through to the third round in the second quarter. Um, we have five five Americans still alive in the fourth quarter somehow. Um, absolutely wild that uh, the Americans tennis decided to show up for this tournament. Um, one of them for sure through to the third round with Sock and Cressy going head to head in round two tomorrow. Um, <clears throat> is your opinion at looking at the current state of the fourth quarter that this is Nadal's to lose or were there some signs in his kind of, I would say laborious win over Sarindolo that, uh, you know, he may be vulnerable here. I'm not sure. Uh, I was thinking the same at the French open. This didn't look great either at, in the first rounds. Um, but he always found a way to uh, play his best tennis when it really mattered. And yeah, look at uh, his opponents. It's Barankist and probably Sonego. Van der Sandsrup. Ruzovori, I don't know. So the first real test would probably be a quarterfinal against Fritz. If he does it there, makes it there. Wow. I think yeah, this, wow, is, wow. this is not us. Such a weak quarter. My God. Yeah. Doesn't this happen, though, every slam? Like, how many weird <clears throat> slam? And maybe it's not fair to put Chung in there. Maybe Chung would have been a great talent if he could have stayed healthy, but and you always have like one quarter that gets weird, and then you end up with like, we have tennis Sangren here in the. How far did he? How far did he? <laughs> he make went it to down? the quarterfinal against he Federer, went, right? Yeah, he went to the quarters in Australia. Yeah. Like, there, there's always like one quarter which just like shit blows up, and then Total chaos, you, get, you yeah. get you get a really goofy quarterfinal match, and you end up sometimes you end up with a really weird ass player in the semis. Honestly, but <laughs> well, you know what? Let me correct this you. This year. Let me correct you because Vinny's prediction of a Nadal Fritz quarterfinal would not be weird at all. No, no, no. That was your Indian Wells final. <laughs> that was that was a decided a Masters one thousand this year. I know, but are we are we like crowning Taylor Fritz as someone who's gonna do that on the regular? <laughs> he won Eastbourne. He won Eastbourne. That's fair. It's fair. Like I'm still, I'm <laughs> his still only so... loss on grass was to Tim Van Rithoven, who's apparently the next coming of uh, of Roger Federer. That guy wasn't <laughs> to be this Van Rithoven. He was not born. He just appeared one day. I'm almost <laughs> sure of it. Like I, I bet if you went and looked at his juniors record, doesn't exist. He just showed up like from <laughs> from nowhere yesterday. He's like of the generation of with Medvedev, right? Like he's a little older. Like he's not a young young yeah. player. Like he's definitely, I think. yeah, he's definitely should have broken through a long time ago. This is a little bit of weird. Um, yeah, okay, he, so was, he was injured like, like, early. Was it injuries? I was just say, is he taking yeah. different vitamins now? And his serving <laughs> no. beforehand suddenly have some pop. He was he was injured and he was like in the one thousands. I I also had him on these lists you were talking about. <laughs> of course you did. Okay. Uh, well, let me good. let me yeah let me fast forward to the end of this Fortnite. Um, do you think RBA can get it done as a minus five hundred favorite over Djokovic? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think so. No, I'll I'll give you the real question. I, I mean, are we really looking at it, this thing to chalk out Djokovic, uh, Nadal, and I guess. A, if that is how this plays out, how do you handicap that particular final? I think it will uh, play out like this. And I would be here for it because, yeah, these finals always give something to us. And who knows how long 
these guys will stick around. Um, would have to I would have to see how Nadal does in these next matches, but right now I would say Djokovic owns it on grass. What kind of market would you mm-hmm. expect for that final? Like Djokovic higher than minus three hundred? It's hard to say right now. Minus three hundred is one one thirty three. Yeah, something yeah. like that. Yeah, probably. Yeah. <clears throat> Andy, what do you think? Yeah, that's fair, and I'd watch it. Oh, obviously. Yeah, but well, I, I mean, probably wouldn't bet it. Nah, that, that's what I'm saying. I'd watch it. Like, I'm not gonna sit. I wouldn't lay the games. What's what's a th- a three hundred favorite in best of five? Like seven and a half games, eight. What's the handicap? Uh, no, 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 five and a half, maybe. Yeah, five and a half. See, I'm, I'm, yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. so bad at doing maybe the conversion. I'm so four bad at doing the conversion. Yeah. To, that's right. Because at first, I'm like nine. Like, no, that's well. Nine. See, I don't know. I, I can't really tell you what the price is because, like, the French Open price was so out of whack. Djokovic was went off as like a meaningful favorite in that head to head, um, bigger than I would have guessed. Um, and if Djokovic was a favorite on clay, uh, he should be an even bigger favorite on grass, presumably. Um, but there's a lot of people who are kind of caught up in the Nadal's going to calendar slam this somehow, some way. Everybody's getting out of his way and just going to let Nadal calendar slam this year, which is absolutely bananas. Yeah, there was um, a point. There was a point before where he was like, "Are we sure he can finish the tournament? He's hurt." And then, dude, I'll tell you, man, that match against Sarundalo, there were long stretches where I was like, Sarundalo is the better player. (laughs) There's no doubt in my mind. Like, he flipped the switch right at the end when he needed to because he's like, I got to get the hell out of here. But there were long stretches where he was getting outplayed. uh, And, you know, he, but like Vinny said, every high leverage moment where he needed to elevate his, uh, his form, he, he found it. And, um, you know, that's what comes with experience and that's what comes with 21. Is he up to 22 now slams? Yeah. 22. You know, you know, I, oh, cha- I changed my mind. Minus 400. Nope. 450. One, okay. one point, one point two two. Okay. I'm, I'm setting the market right now. Still no eight games. Yeah. It's still not, six. it's still not an eight game handicap. <laughs> how many games, I would, I, <laughs> how many games would they, would they need to give you Vinny before you're getting involved with Nadal in that final? Yeah, if, if you give me six, I, I think I would I would be on him. Okay, not six and a half, but six flat. You would take. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, but but uh, really tough to say right now. Yeah. With all yeah, this stuff many, going yeah. on, see what see what kind of shape he's in by then too. Mm-hmm. It's a grind. Yeah. It's still a grind. How many games would you have to give Iga Sriantek to take her against the great Ons Jabor in the women's final? Um, plus plus three and a half <laughs> I think what, we, are, uh, we are on the same side here uh, I'm also uh, on a Shabur ticket oh nice excellent mm-hmm. work um, any general observations I don't need to go quarter by quarter here for the women's uh, draw because there's not much I can add to the discussion but uh, what do you think as you kind of sit back anyone that's especially impressed you uh, or kind of really changed your mind about their current form as we uh, look at the, the women's draw yeah, I think Schwantek uh, played all right. I did not expect her to win that easily. So I, I thought there might be some some problems 
in, in her first set on grass, but yeah, she won at six love. And yeah, that's kind of scary. And yeah, if you think the ATP draw is messy, then just look look that women's draw. Um, yeah, I think Jabir looks good. And so does her quarter. I don't think who should beat her. Maybe Kava, but she's kind of beyond her prime now. And Kerber, yeah. Kerber scares me. Serena's really? Out. A little bit, just because she's such a savvy vet. Um, the Kerber mm. lot, the Kerber loss to Cornet in Bad Homburg was weird. Like it yeah. didn't, like it didn't make sense to me. And I watched it a lot of it, and I was like, "This is something's weird about this." And I almost felt like she might have been playing a little possum. Like I'm ready to get out of here. I actually have a real chance to win Wimbledon, um, and so she kind of ejected from that tournament. So. I'm nervous about how good she can be if she's peaking on that day. And I'm also a little, there are times in both of the matches so far. And Jabor has only lost eight games in two rounds. Like she's having, she's playing well, but there are, were times where I felt like she was a little nervous and that she's yeah. kind of wearing the weight of expectation a little bit here. Yeah. First set against Kawa today. Yeah. yeah. It was a bit messy. Yeah. A lot of unforced errors, not characteristic of her style she, of play. So she settle in. She'll settle in though, just like always. And by always, I mean just this, you know, this last what, twelve bucks or so. But like she'll settle in. It'll be fine. I, I just want a good women's final. I need something happening on Saturday now that we there's just no more sports anymore. Among everyone on the bottom half of the draw, Vinny, is there anyone besides Kerber that stops Javor from getting to a final? Maybe Penko gives her a match. Well, Redline, Redline Penko can beat anybody. Redline Penko yeah. can beat half. She can beat half the men in the field. That's not <laughs> true, but like she, it's just like when she yeah, goes but... nuts. And I would love to see that. Not, not because you know we'd lose money on Jabour, but just her interviews are be entertaining tennis. Yeah. Well, her interview is just like, yeah, Jabour sucks. She should go back to Tunisia. <laughs> like what, whatever she would say. That's still the best interview of the year by anybody in sports, maybe. <laughs> Where she said, like, I'm glad I didn't lose because I was a lot better than her. Against the Canadian Marino, right? Yeah. Speaking of Canadians, any is is Bianca the most significant threat to Iga on the top? Or someone coming yeah. out of that Q2? Uh, no, for me it's uh, Bianca, and I also wanted to bet her, but uh, her number was pretty low. She was only plus 600 to win the quarter. Uh, so I took, uh, stayed away. But yeah, for me it's it's Bianca Iga quarterfinal. And I think Bianca can beat her. Uh, yeah, but yeah, we have to see how she won't take does maybe third round against Cornet might be tricky yeah she's gonna have a couple tough ones Cornet Krachikova and Bianca to get out of Q1 is not easy um you got any you got any runners in Q2 Uh, is that the quit Kvitova quarter yeah Kvitova this one this is absolutely loaded Kvitova, Alep, Goff, um, and Pliskova all in Q2. 
Yeah, I, I, I jumped on Kvitova. <laughs> that was a little recency bias, I think, because she won Eastbourne. And, she, she, and she looked good, though. She looked good, and Halep pulled out, and she's always semi-injured. So the when Eastbourne I saw the draw... Curse, I, yeah. The Eastbourne curse doesn't apply to the women, I guess. Um, the only yeah. curse go the only curse going is the Halla curse right now. Oh Halla, that's what I meant. Yeah, never the Halla curse is, is yep. the dude's curse where every every Halla champ out, except for Roger Federer is lost in round one of Wimbledon. I don't know how that's possible. For like um, twelve years straight. <laughs> I don't know how it's possible. Um okay, so final predictions for the women's and then we talk a little cycling. Yes. Oh um, Shabur, Andy, what do you got? Yeah. Yeah, just give me the chalk final, and Jabur loses in a tight third set tiebreak. Oh, break, break my heart! Oh, I don't want to. I don't want to see that. If you, if you can't, if you can't trade out of that position at that point, I can't help you. I cannot help you. I got the taste of a big score now. I want a thirty-three to one on Ons to come home. So, um, no, it's uh, that. That's fine. I like uh, Ons. She defeated. She defeated Iga head to head at Wimbledon last year. Um, she can. She can bring that. She can bring it uh, if it gets yeah. to that stage here. Surely. Uh, what's your final prediction, Vinny? Um, Jabur over Kvitova. <laughs> Ooh, I like oh, that. Oh, one. Wouldn't, wouldn't that be nice? Ooh, that'd be good. You. That'd be good. I mean, yeah. If if Sviantek gets to the final, that will be impressive. Her road is very, very tough. No one is getting out of her way. Um, so yeah, she's gonna have to do it all her damn self. Um, yeah. Let's talk a little. Um, yeah, good. Yeah, just one more. <laughs> if she gets to the final, then uh, I don't have any hope for Jabur because uh, Iga in finals, you know. Yeah. Six two six one. Yeah. <laughs> I'll so let's hope someone. I tried to be nice and give her a set, Drew. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll cross my fingers. Um, uh, at some point, the weight of this winning streak is going to start to weigh in on Ika as well. Uh, she's I think she's have a that robot, dude. Head. She's a robot. Like the stress doesn't seem to get to this woman. She's very, very good at tennis. <laughs> that helps. Mean, that helps. She's putting well. up. She's putting up. Steffi Graf numbers. I mean, I, that's the last time we saw this level of dominance over the rest of the field. Um, that's not to say that Serena Williams wasn't a better player than Steffi in terms of if you match them up at their peaks, I think Serena Williams probably wins. But Steffi Graf's dominance over the field, we haven't seen that level since we are seeing now with Iga. Um, and, you know, if it translates from clay to grass, then everybody better look the hell out because this is, uh, it's gonna, she's not going anywhere anytime soon. So, um, could make tennis pretty lopsided in terms of women's tennis markets. All that said, uh, let's talk a little tour de France and I'll kind of kick things off with the way I see head, things. head north then, to Denmark. Yeah. So, uh, the tour de France does this funny thing where they don't start in France anymore. <laughs> They pick different places around Europe uh, to have the, um, you know, kind of the kickoff celebration to kind of just grow the sport of cycling, which is great. Love that. Denmark uh, and uh, Copenhagen, particularly one of the most bike friendly cities in the world, if not the most. Um, and I think this is going to be a, a very cool uh, way to kick off this year's Tour de France. The Tour de France field is not especially 
um, it's not especially strong. There's really only three guys who the market considers realistic champions here in terms of general classification. Uh, your favorite is probably a little short in, to- in Tade Pogacar. Um, this is a Slovenian kid who has won two straight Tour de France. He's won a couple. He's going for his third. Um, you know, you know what they say, Andy, they come in threes. Um, and I think if he had a stronger team, he would probably be like minus 400 because with a, with a team that's as good as the other top tier teams on this, in this race, I think he's, the only thing stopping him is probably a crash. Um, when, however, when you, yeah. when you say team, are you just referring to the other cyclers that ride with him or That's the correct. guy that does like his blood doping for him? <laughs> <laughs> they still cheat. I mean, it's like, the other cyclist, not his chemist. Okay. Is, is, not his is, chemist. Uh, okay. Not his chemist. The How other many, and we're starting, <laughs> we're starting very low level here, Drew, because I have, if I've bet any cycling, it's tailing like probably Vinny. He's posted some cycling or you for something or, you know, maybe a, another random Euro that had some plays. But I haven't paid attention since Lance days. How many are even on a team? Four or five? Uh, no, it's like eight, eight. or nine, ten. Uh, yeah. Jesus. <clears throat> and so that's why, because it said like there's 22 teams. Like that doesn't seem right. There's like a million bikers. So you have that many. So you have just like nine guys who don't win the Tour de France. Like, yeah, we were on the right team though. Like the bunch eight, of yeah, quarterbacks. There's, there's eight official and a couple alternates for the good teams, obviously. Um, but yeah, there's eight guys out there, and your team does one of two things: it either pulls you up the hill if you're trying to win the general classification in the mountain stage, or it pulls you in a train to the front of the pack and then launches you in a sprint stage. If you're trying to win the green Jersey as a team, right? So those are kind of the two general roles that the other seven guys that are not the team leader serve on a given team. Right. And to provide I, blood too. To, <laughs> and blood bags. And they're also bags. blood bags. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, there are realistically, there are two teams who have um, contenders for, the um the yellow jersey that are not Tade Pogacar's team. Ineos has a couple of guys, including Garen Thomas, Adam Yates, uh, and then um the uh Martinez. Yeah, the Jumbo oh Martinez too. Yeah, wow, that's they have, they have a pretty good Ineos has a pretty good team. Um and then Jumbo Visma is the other one that has uh Primos, Roglic, and Jonas Vinegard. Um and so has that has that happened? And I'm I'm just going to interrupt you constantly with questions. Sure. Because I'm I don't understand the like because it felt like you know with Lance, which I still don't think he cheated. God bless America. Um, <laughs> he cheated a lot. But like it, lot it, th- there was never talk of like oh here's this other guy on the postal service team who could win too. It was this is Lance and his team. So when you have yeah. multiple good guys on the team, <clears throat> is there like? Is there like this point of no return where it's like, all right, it's this guy's summer or he's doing well. We got to put all our chips in on this guy. Sorry, other two guys who were probably maybe good enough to compete here. We can't 
try to push you to, you know, maybe we'll try to win you a sprint if you're a sprinter, but all our chips are on this guy now. I will defer to Vinny to kind of get flesh out the politics because it's complicated. Yeah, that but seems like a good it's thing. The most yeah. common, the most common setup is a team leader who has a chance for the general classification and then everybody else who is dedicated to helping him achieve that goal. They don't get really any role whatsoever otherwise. And what Yumbo Visma is going in with this kind of dual leaders between Roglic and Vinegard is a little weird. Uh, would you agree with that? Yeah, definitely. Um, uh, going back to the Armstrong era, era I think he had uh, some like super domestiques who could have also won the tour, who were like the second and third best, but who did all the work for him, so they uh, couldn't do any more in the end and finished like fifth or sixth. And yeah, that will probably be the same with Roglic and Vingegaard. And yeah, Pogacar's team, they, they are just all all in on him. And yeah, I'm not sure what's the best strategy, but yeah, Jumbo Visma, they had to do something uh, new, I, I guess. And maybe if Wingegor attacks and Roglic stays with Pogacar, so they have more options to like cover Pogacar and put him under pressure. Yeah, that's kind of the key. I, I get that. Generally, you have di different ways to attack as a team when you're mm -hmm. fighting against, like Team Pogacar. He, it's just him. He, he's their team. Or, you know, well, he's you the got, one who you, could. You win. got two things. Two two things can happen. One is Roglic went out last year with injury, right? And Vinegard basically stepped into the role and rode the race of his life, right? And so when that happens, typically like another team comes along and basically buys you out. Now you're the leader for their team, right? But he decided for whatever reason to stay with uh, uh, Yumbo. And for those reasons, he's basically like the 1B now. And they can do some, some interesting things to try to make life miserable for Roglic because in my opinion, Roglic's team – broadly is does not have enough domestiques as Vinny <laughs> says is a great term just an absolutely great term for a guy who has to like throw himself on the on the pyre sacrifice himself um but yeah, you he, know he I, I don't shields i don't think pogachar's team is as good or as deep so he basically has to do it all himself but that was the situation last year and he basically just rode away from everyone like he there was he's, one stage where he where he gained like five minutes on all the other favorites. Yeah, he just he just cooked their ass. And mm -hmm. there's nothing to tell you that he's not in that good of shape again. The course setup is different at the Tour de France every year. It's never the same course run twice. But a lot of the stages will look familiar. Like they're finishing in the Alpe d'Huez one day, which is an awesome, you know, awesome, cool one to watch. Um, and I've heard experts say pretty conclusively that the way that this is set up it favors Pogachar to, you know, be the meaningful favorite, even if Yumbo is in great form and has, you know, some crafty attacks planned to really put pressure on him. Is that your general feeling as well, Vinny? Yeah, I think so. Like the Abduez stage, uh, I think they have, uh, that has two more uh, high mountains, but they are too far uh, stretched out. So there are like 100 kilometers in between them. So that makes it hard to attack for Jumbo. So it will probably be just the final climb to Atuyas. And yeah, it's all always uh, hard to 
to like get past the best uh, the best uh, rider in the field. So do, do they mix up? You know, you have time trials, you have sprints, you have climbs, mm -hmm. you have flat just stages. Like you know, obviously yeah, the they you said they were. It's in Denmark. It's in different parts of France, different parts of the Alps. Like so, they mix up the order every year too. Then so like. You, that some of the strategies come into play like hey we have you know we're starting with this we're going to that does that does that change the strategy too i suppose and maybe even back to my question about like these teams that have multiple racers who can win it's almost like you, you got to start making some decisions earlier you have it in your mind like we're starting because it does it start with sprints or time trials drew i can't remember what you said it starts with the time trial which is a little unusual it's an individual time trial on stage one but we'll get we'll come back to the actual start in a second after we kind of put a bow on the Roglic Pogachar thing because there is one stage that they're repeating from 2020 that ends in the uh, the Bells Fillies. They're doing it in the middle of the race. That was the, basically that was the deciding stage two years ago when Pogachar took down Roglic in the maybe one of the most dramatic finishes we've ever had uh, in the Tour de France for, in terms of general classification. Um, and they're had, they have that one, you know, they've added that one to this tour in the middle, which will make it pretty interesting. But I mean, presumably in the last two years, Roglic, I mean, Roglic hasn't gotten stronger, but Pogachar looks like he has. Um, and it's going to be pretty tough for me to see anyone realistically, um, take him down here, which is why he's like a minus 180 favorite. Yeah, yeah. If you're the other teams, you just uh, go for top three, I guess, <laughs> and hope for have hope that one of Jumbo Jumbo Visma takes the domestique role and helps Roglic or Vingegaard. And yeah, the Planche de Belfi, I think, uh, is the stage you you mean, Drew. That sounds about. That sounds right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Agree, that was the that was a, <laughs> was a time yeah, trial two years Belfi. ago. I think that was the final stage the time trial. You got it. How do you say right. tour, how do you say Tour de France in German? Is it just like uh, we we also say Tour de France. Oh, but... that's because <laughs> they don't call it that in France for sure. Le Tour. Le yeah, tour, yeah, I don't know. I yeah. think they call it. I'm gonna say, I'm gonna go with they call it something different. Oh, you're for... right. Yeah, the La Planche de Belfines was the it was an individual time trial, and Pogachar put a minute, put almost two minutes on Roglic, took the yellow, mm -hmm. won won the whole event. Um, so yeah, I don't I don't don't think that was uh, will be too much uh, of an influence this year because I think it's the first mountaintop finish, and yep. everybody's still uh, everybody's still fit. Sure, I guess. And yeah, before we get back to the beginning of the race, I had Drew just chirping DMs about this guy is going to win this, and I said, "Well, you have to exp you have to explain what that is. What like, I don't even is, yeah. I don't even know what you're betting on right now." And you kind of did, and I said, "You know what, Dan? We better we better explain the jerseys because I think there's there's probably some people that are going to catch this that know about the yellow, and that might be it. And I when in the years I've watched it, I've I've been able to remember a little better but it's been a while since i cared or paid attention so dan made a nice graphic here drew you want to sure yellow well, jersey no, no, is let, the let me do the yeah. first one yeah the leader <clears throat> if you if you're leading the race you wear yellow i know that one that, that's right 
it's a very distinguished it's a very distinguished honor to be wearing yellow during the ride itself and if you have the best overall time if you add all the stages times together then you are the general classification winner of the tour de france and your name goes down in history this is the big prestigious award that everybody kind of remembers and recognizes and cares about either even if you're at like a very hardcore level um this is pretty clearly the big the big daddy of them all the green jersey is also somewhat I would say prestigious among probably the second most prestigious um, thing to win as a team. I would say among all cycling, like people will say, Oh no, the tour of Spain or the Giro d'Italia, blah, blah, blah. I, I think winning the green Jersey is a big, big deal for teams and for sprinters, because this is basically <clears throat> you get points for winning sprints within um, you know, you get points for winning sprints within a race and then you get, points on a flat day uh at the end of the race that are you know that accumulate over the course of uh the three weeks and you have to finish the race to be in consideration if you ever you know if you don't finish a stage or if you abandon then you're out you're out of the running um and uh they continue to try to tweak this to make it more interesting more entertaining to kind of get more riders in contention um vinnie do you have some thoughts on the changes to the green jersey point scoring rules this this year or recently yeah i've always been a fan of the attacking riders so i like the changes because um they give more points to the hilly finishes and usually it's been like double or even three times as much points for as many points for the flat stages in the sprints and this year it's uh, 50 points for the flat stages and, and there's also a mountain finish where you get 30 points. So that mixes it up, it up a bit. Um, yeah, not sure yet, but makes things a little spicier, I guess. Like we'll, come, we'll come back to the handicap and how that plays in later, but thank you for breaking that mm -hmm. down because I did not entirely understand it myself. Um, usually for making summits particularly if you're attacking and you're away from the Peloton winning summits, you get King of the Mountain points. That's the polka dot jersey. Um, that one, forget about betting on, is chaotic. We, I never know who in the ride is going to ultimately try for that and get it. Um, and you look back through history and it's a who's who of like, who are these guys, even if you know a lot about cycling. Um, so that one's, that one's chaos. <clears throat> and then the white jersey is best young rider. Um, and because the race favorite Tade Pogachar is under the age where he would qualify. He's if he wins yellow, he obviously wins white. So that one's not super fun to handicap either. Which brings us to the green, back to the green. So I think this is a bettable market for a couple reasons. And my handicap is pretty straightforward. The team that won green last year is the quick step team. The rider that won green last year is a British rider named Mark Cavendish. If you've watched any of the Tour de France, you've almost certainly heard the name Mark Cavendish because he is the all tied for the all-time winningest rider in terms of number of stage wins over the course of his career. So you would think, oh, well, that's got to be the favorite, right? That team and that rider has got to be the favorite for the green jersey this year if he's coming back and he's the all-time champ, blah, blah, blah. His team, Quickstep, elected not to bring him to this race because they have more confidence in their younger sprinter, Jakobsen. Fabio Jakobsen 
in my opinion, at least is sort of the future of sprinting in these type of races, these type of tours, he would have come along a lot sooner in his career, but he was involved in just an absolutely horrific crash. You want to see the worst cycling crash of your life. Go look at his crash in the opening stages of the tour of Poland in 2020. Um, Guy gets out of control sprinting, bumps him and sends him into just an absolute, just a mess of metal going, going downhill to a sprint finish going like 80 kilometers an hour. It was absolutely insane. Almost killed him. Um, he missed last year's tour de France because of it, which is why Cavendish rode for quick step. Um, and quick step is now changed their allegiance to feature Jakobsen as their guy, as the sprinters. <clears throat> he won the green Jersey at the tour of Spain last year. So he pro- he's proven he can do it at sort of the major tour level. And the real reason to kind of back anyone from quick step team is because they have the best lead out man in all of, in the entire you know, biking universe. Um, the guy who kind of launched Cavendish to the four wins he got last year rides for quick step. They have the best in general team of train guy for sprints. Yeah. Lieutenants. Lieutenants. I like to bleed out, but that's fine. Um, and, uh, I think realistically, um, this team is in this race for one thing, one goal only, and that is to win the green Jersey and to, to get Jakobsen that, that Jersey. Um, and I think that makes them extremely formidable to the tune of six to one is a very bettable price, I think. Um, and then here's sort of the last kind of key angle for this. We have three stages to start the race in Denmark. The first is a time trial. We'll get specifically to who I think will win that time trial in a second, but there's not going to be a lot of points awarded for that. The second and the third are flat stages that will go to the sprinting winner. And I think realistically Jakobsen could win one or both of those stages if things set up right. And if his team and his lead out man are as good as I think they are, which means you could be looking at him after the first stage, you go through the rest day, he could have a big lead on the field, particularly a big lead on the current favorite market favorite is Wout Van Aert, right? I don't think Wout Van Aert's getting many points up until day four at the earliest, right? Which means his price is going to come down to pick him to, to, you know, to dog, uh, as he, you know, as the other sprinters accrue points on two and three, he may Should do great. disagree now or later. Yeah, no, I think he can, <laughs> I think he can scoop some in four five, six, but, uh, I just think that this is going to go in the direction of the team that has the best sprinters early. Um, and I think you can lock in a little profit at that point. Where am I going wrong here? Um, like you said, uh, there there are more points awarded in the flat sprints, of course, and I think it's 50. And uh, yeah. you o- also get 20 points for the time trial. And that's where Van Art uh, probably gets 20 or 15 to uh, yeah get the uh, jersey after the first or and the winner winner gets yellow, of course, but he'll get ahead of the other sprinters who are not great time trialists. And yeah, I totally agree. Stage two, three, and probably four are Jakobsen's. But yeah, I'm not sure uh, whether he gets over the hills and mountains as good as Van Aert. And Van Aert, uh, he is part of Jumbo Visma. You might have to mention that. 
and he always had uh, to work for Roglic last year. And this year he gets the freedom of uh, going for the green jersey. So in my opinion, he's the deserved favorite. And he will get all the intermediate sprints after Hilly, after some hills when Jakobsen and Philipson and all the other guys are already behind the peloton. So I think Van Aert is the deserved favorite. And, but I was looking at another um, name which was uh, Mats Pedersen. I think he's 12 to 1. And he's Dane. And he's also getting past the hills quite well. So he might be part of some breakaway groups and get some points there. And yeah, even if Jakobsen wins these stages, and there are also points for 2, 3, 4, 5. And in my opinion, he would need to... Um, win all of these flat sprints to stand a chance. But we'll see. <laughs> He's got basically six flat stages and a couple of hilly stages. So they may have set up the course that kind of puts a little bit of pressure on the sprinters. That's fine. Um, I just, I think uh, realistically this could go one way early. Yes, if And again, like I'm reading into the confidence of a team that decided to leave Cavendish at home. Like that says something about the way that they feel about their chances with, with Jakobsen. And maybe this is like a, um, um, you know, for the future, they need to get him some experience because this would be his first ever tour de France. And they're just going to say, well, if he doesn't get it done, then he doesn't get it done, but he'll be ready for next year. And that may be their thought process. But uh, I I'm reading into the actions of the team a bit here and thinking that six to one is, uh, is too, too, you know, it's too big of a number. Um, yeah. Okay. Um, one more uh, regarding Jakobsen, um, uh, trivial thing, uh, the guy that uh, bumped him in the sprint, uh, <laughs> yeah. you talked about, he's also here this year. Yeah, growing well, growing one, so, What's his, how do you pronounce uh, it? Dylan, 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 oh wow, that's a yeah. bunch, that was, uh, yeah, I didn't have that. They got, um, got Dutch relatives, so. <laughs> oh, okay, these well, these yeah. crashes, when they're going like downhill, oh, or even just flat, when they're going that fast, I can't remember... I think it was just the the last summer Olympics in one of the women's rides. Somebody was, I think she was leading and she caught a wobble or something downhill or something happened with the bike. And she like went off into the woods and crashed. And it was like, she cracked a vertebrae and stuff. They told me, cause you're just watching. You're like, Oh, that looked bad. And then they say how fast she was going. Like that's too fast on a bicycle. I will never go that fast. I don't want okay. to. I've well, cracked. I don't what, mind. What's throwing... the fastest you got on a bike, Drew? Uh, thirty-ish, probably. Yeah, I was gonna say thirty down a hill, maybe. I get the little yeah. cat's eye. That's yeah. plenty. That's fast. <laughs> yeah, that's probably it. Um, I don't mind throwing my hat in the ring with the best team sprinter, the best, you know, the best, you know, the sprinter on the best team with the best lead out man. Um, and cross my fingers that he catches a couple wins early. And, uh, you know, the market moves with them. Um, Wild Van Art, and also, like, again, like, the fact that the, t- the quick step team is pointed towards winning stages and winning the green jersey, it matters to me. Whereas the Yumbo team, you know, he's not going to get a lot of support for the green. He's kind of out there on his own trying to do it by himself, and that's a tall ask, I think, to a degree. Um, but you're right. He is going to be a contender in the opening time trial. Yeah, and, but and, and the, I don't uh, think he wins. <laughs> I do. 
Oh, you and, do? Uh, oh, okay. Yeah. Let's disagree about this. Um, oh, no. So the time trial, the time trial starts in Copenhagen. It is a 13 kilometer race. And the current favorite is Filippo Ghana, who anyone who was betting cycling at the Olympics will remember fondly because he was an absolute monster uh, in the team pursuit there. And Filippo Ghana backed that up by winning the world time trialing championships in 2020, but it was contested in Italy and there was some griping that they gave him a favorable course because he's Italian and it was in Italy. So what do they do the next year? They moved it to, or they have it in Belgium where, which is of course where Wood Van Art is from. Uh, they make the course longer, which favors Wood Van Art over Ghana. And it didn't matter. Ghana defended his title. Now, when on a shorter, on a 30-ish kilometer time trial, Ghana won by 26 seconds, which was a massive margin. Like the, like the difference between second and 10th place was like 26 seconds. And so that might as well have been an hour. Like he just destroyed. On the sh- longer course, it was only a five-second margin. So it was definitely closer. The Belgians almost pulled it off, almost pulled off the heist, but Ghana was too strong. And now he goes into this time trial here, I think as sort of the, a budding superstar in the world of cycling. And I don't think it's an accident that this, that the tour starts with a time trial to kind of get him in yellow for the first three stages of this tour. I think that this is kind of a launching pad for Ghana in general uh, to kind of be recognized as a superstar in cycling. And I think he can win this individual time trial by margin. Um, And on top of the fact that like, I, you know, if there's any questionable conditions, there's a lot of turns on this course. It's like an insane amount of turns. And if there's anything like the, like the contenders, the Rogliches, the, um, the, the Pogachars, like, the Garen Thomases who famously won the time trial to start the 2017 ride. Um, these guys are going to have to be a little conservative when it comes to the turns, because the last thing they can afford to do is end their tour de France on day one. And so I think realistically it's a two man race. And I think Ghana's has got wild van art in spades. Uh, and I hit it pretty hard at the plus plus one forty uh, to see, stage you one. See, you see all these matchups at bookmaker. Yeah, there's a lot. Yeah, there's like thirty stage one matchups. So, where have I gone wrong here in my stage one handicap, Vinny? Yeah. Uh, I'll look like a fool tomorrow or on Friday. <laughs> but yeah, to me, uh, like you mentioned, the turns, and I think that's uh, that's an advantage for Van Aert because he's a cyclocrosser, and he right. he also good in sprints, so he can uh, pick up speed after the corners pretty fast. I think that's that's the advantage he has over Ghana uh, on this course. But yeah, of course, Ghana is uh, world class and the best time trialist. But specifically because of these turns and corners, I, I took Van Aert. <laughs> uh, but I think I'm, was, I'm pretty uh, positive that one of us wins. Yeah, this is a two man race, I think. <laughs> yeah, I don't, don't disagree with that. Um, okay. Do you, here's a key, here's a key question that I spent an embarrassing amount of time on today and could not come up with an answer for. What order do they start the time trial in? <laughs> the first. 
it's the first so, stage. So the yeah, rules, that, if it was no in idea. the yeah. yeah, if it was in the middle of the yeah. tour, it would be reverse order from standing. But yeah. it's the first stage, so I can't figure it out for the life of me. And I went back and I watched a lot of 2017, where they started in Dusseldorf um, with an individual time trial, um, and. I couldn't figure it out. <laughs> I was trying to put all the pieces together. Like, oh, it was last year's finishing order or world ranking maybe, of some yeah, kind. Yeah, uh, I wonder if they used some I, I world, world ranking points or if they used uh, like. I would guess that uh, they switch. Uh, they change teams like first team, second team, third team. Uh, it's a up team until the twenty second, and then and then the first team starts again, and then the team leaders are uh, the last ones to start. Got it. It is something like that. So basically, Ineos who has Ghana can put him in the final wave. Yeah. Ah, that makes way more sense than anything else I thought. <laughs> As I was so, looking at 2017, trying to figure this out, just couldn't come up with anything. And there's no, there's nothing about this on the internet. So I don't know yeah. what the ultimately the start, but the start order matters actually a lot because if if it was not ran, you know, if it was not determined if Ghana had to go kind of in that first wave and then Wood Van Aert got to go in the final wave like that that's a huge advantage for Van Aert because he would know exactly what his pace and splits need to be at at the key checkpoints in order to uh you know give himself a chance so like, like racing the ghost, yeah yeah well it's like racing the ghost racer on like Mario Kart like yeah, can, if you, you have a rabbit. Know. If if you, you have know. a rabbit, right. it's exactly the same. Thing. <laughs> exactly the same thing. Exactly. I mean, it is. Yeah, give, but... yeah, give him a rabbit, and it's a different race, certainly. So, um, okay, all right, that's interesting. So, makes sense. Um, any other uh, general Tour de France kind of handicapping thoughts or process that you put into this year's race so far, Vinny? Um, yeah. So you mentioned the chaos of the polka dot jersey. And I yeah. love I love the chaos. So, <laughs> yes. So I took some riders uh, with uh, big odds there. Um, oh, you probably uh, the listeners probably don't know these guys, but <laughs> I took some Michael Woods at plus twenty five hundred. Nice. Right. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Andy, I I was uh, listening to your pods back, and you didn't want to uh, bet anything until football starts <laughs> yeah but i have so this market don't. up and i have woods is 25 where i found it so keep going okay so <laughs> two more i got uh patrick conrad at 81 100 wow nice i'm not sure i have that one 126 and another one is matei mohoric oh interesting they don't even have these guys yeah, I no, know. no. The, both of those guys are 150 to one where I can get them. Patrick Conrad and, and two dollars on it. Also, there you go. I have, yeah. I have to open more books. Yeah, I'll find a five. I'll find a lunch bet, lunch money bets on those too. That sounds fun. Yeah, because like uh, when you're in the mountain stages and there, the king, the polka dot jersey usually comes from some group that breaks away and then gets a ton of coverage on those mountain stages. But if, if you don't have a bet on the polka dot jersey, it's kind of boring. <laughs> like, I don't care. These these guys has anything to do with the ultimate you know, decision of this race. Maybe they'll win this stage. That's congratulations for that, I guess. But um, yeah, no, that's, yeah. Uh, 
Yeah. I think the last last few years, um, Pogacar won the Polka Dot as well because he won all the mountaintop finishes. Yeah, right. And, and yeah. this year they also ch changed this system. And it was used to be double points on the mountain finishes, and they scratched that, so it's normal points. So Pogacar doesn't have that advantage. So I was looking for guys that uh, are in teams that don't have any any general classifications uh, goals. And they will break away, and maybe one of them is lucky enough. <laughs> That's a super was, solid handicap. So was really. it Mate, Matei Mahorik? Is that what you said? Yeah. I have like yeah. I have like six tabs <laughs> open now. <laughs> yeah. What kind of price can you find on him, Andy? Uh, I can get a one fifty. One fifty one. Yeah. We're gonna like win the king of the mountain. Patrick Conrad, Patrick Conrad, and Matei Mahorik is who we're pulling for now. I love that. Um, but no, that that's nope. that handicap that you just laid out. If you're new to cycling betting and you want insight, that was that was you know you, you just gave up the goods. <laughs> if there yeah. there are team, every team has a goal in this race. Some of them are to we just want to win one stage. Some of them are, we want to win lots of stages and win the green jersey. Some of them are, we only care that our guy has a chance to get the podium uh, on the general classification. Others, you know, and, and so if there's a race stage where your team has no other objective, a guy potentially going in a breakaway and getting those points is entirely possible. Um, even likely. In fact, that's the way it always goes. <laughs> and so, but predicting it is impossible because this is kind of like team strategy and you know, they don't even probably come up with it until the day of the race, depending on what's happened so far. So um, impossible to s predict with, with certainty, but uh, conceptually, that's uh, that's exactly how this goes. So um, very, very fun. Green jersey is my favorite way to sweat it, though. I'm a, I'm a polka dot guy because these are big are numbers. Electric. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and you, and you will play some more, I guess. Yeah, I know. Like, oh, you're only gonna take seven dollars? I guess I'm gonna I'm gonna bet this several places. So, <laughs> they didn't bet, bet online has some good numbers, but they are only taking to win a thousand. So, when you bet yeah. 150 to one, they will take seven dollars, which they got my seven bucks. <laughs> they, they tricked me. So I get a lot of markets. Yeah, a lot of markets with pretty low limits for those of us who are playing offshore. I'll tell you that much. Which yeah. is it's fair. It's cycling. What are they gonna do? Just yeah, yeah, yeah. Something. Yeah. Um, is there any potential for a surprise in the general classification or the points? You think? Uh, or do we so. we set it up pretty fairly? Yeah. 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 All right. So two 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 big tournaments going on in Europe in the month of July: Wimbledon and uh, and the Tour de France, and it's all chalk. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds about right. Yeah. All right. Well. Yeah, Final you, question you, for you. You can now bet $8 on Mahorek because it dropped to 125 Move the lines, Final question for you, Vinny. Um, after Wimbledon is over, there's a funny little wrinkle on the tennis calendar where they go back and play a bunch of clay, clay uh, events yeah. all across Europe in some, uh, in some not well-known locations, but absolutely beautiful spots vacation spots frankly um what are some of your what is your favorite tournament that uh is contested after the conclusion of wimbledon before we get to the u.s hardcourt swing i think in croatia it's a ball 
people. Or is umag, it just umag. Umag, 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 and, umag, umag, umag for the men and, yeah. and, and ball is, game. I think, for the WTA. Yeah. That's, these these uh, venues look so good. Um, yeah, Umag yeah. is high on my list of like, now mm. that my kids are old enough where I don't feel bad about leaving them home for vacation. Like, <laughs> this is like, it's a place I want to go without my children. Like, that would be nice for just me and the wife for, I don't know, like a month. Yeah, it looks, Bowl it is looks like a good place to live. Bowl is unbelievable. It's unbelievable. on. On, on an island in the middle of the Adriatic, and Umag is this just awesome peninsula right off of the, uh, uh, or this awesome little beach town right the off the Istrian, Istrian Peninsula. Yeah, incredible, incredible spots. All right, um, final question. Favorite challenger event? <laughs> it's a tie between all the Italian clay ones. The all Italian seven, clay ones all, are all, awesome. all seventy of them. I'd say, every week. I'd say uh, Ismaning, even though I'm not a German guy, but uh, that's on played on carpet, and I like carpet tennis. Everyone's <laughs> yeah, this is what I'm saying. I think it's the only only uh, only tournament left on carpet. Yeah, <laughs> that's a funny answer. Uh, just because. Okay, so so what's, basically, what's your the, favorite? The, the tour. Well, the tour. Oh, I'd definitely pick something in Italy, probably Tiburon's. Pretty really? Tib- Tiburon's pretty slick. Mine is clear. I don't think you'll guess it, though. Newport. That is Newport not Beach. a challenger event. <laughs> Newport Beach? Newport Beach. Newport you said Beach. Newport. Not, you said Newport. Not, New, not Newport grass. Newport Beach. Yeah. Sarasota. Sarasota. Yeah. Because of the uh, grannies. Because of the ball grannies. Because of the ball grannies. No, because, because of the, <laughs> the people having sex across the lake. Yeah. That was loudly. That was, that was all time. That was all time. If you don't know what Andy's talking about, look up... Uh, Sarasota, Tiafo. Sarasota, Challenger. There's some good videos. Sex interruption. Yeah. Don't do it on um, your computer. Yeah, man. Um, if somebody called you up and offered you uh, a job covering Challenger level tennis for some media publication, would you uh, walk away and, and make that a career? Or you like what you're doing enough and this is Avi? Sounds like a dream job, but um, <laughs> I just just moved here in in, in a new place with my wife me. and the dog, and yeah, <laughs> you'll never know. But I won't get uh, these opportunities anyway. As a betting guy, I don't think tennis is still a little betting. How do you say it? Averse. Yeah, Averse. Yeah. Hesitant. Well, because of some of the shit that happens at the lower level. Yeah. And then sign collectibles is asked twice now, so I feel like we should get to it. But Vinny did bet RBA to win the quarter, to win the half, and to win it all, I believe. So I think he does love. Uh, but getting the quarter at sixteen to one now, what do you think? Take it. Still take it. Okay. Yeah. And then he says Halep on's final at sixteen to one. I don't know what Halep's price to reach the finals is, but. Too tough a path. That seems that seems yeah. like it's not a big enough number. Yeah. No. Too tough a path. Okay. In my opinion. Yeah, same. Awesome. Concur. All right. Well, great pot. <laughs> Appreciate your time. Thank you for joining us in the middle of the night over in Germany. Best of luck the rest of this fortnight. Uh, and, uh, you know, to the victor goes to spoils in the Tour de France, apparently, because we couldn't come up with an agreement. We couldn't come up with a, uh, uh, a same side to cheer for there, but Mahorek. it's going to make it that much more fun. 
please don't blame me too much in the end. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you mean if I lose? I'm a yeah, if you lose okay, these yeah. mortgage bets. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, nobody's. Oh, no. I will. We're all we'll responsible. To, we'll get it back. Andy's just going <laughs> to skip skip lunch that day. It's not a big deal. Yeah, I can't afford uh, Tikka Masala that day if I don't have that 15 bucks. Yeah. Oh, that sounds good right now. All right. With all that, right, I yeah, do thanks, need some Thanks, stuff. as always. Track down Vinny at Modder Tips Tennis Modder with two Ts. And uh, best of luck the rest of the uh, month of July, man. Thank you. And thanks for having me. Yeah. It was a pleasure. Sit Dan a little slow, a little slow with the music because we gave him a hard time. I think Dan's, thing. I think yeah. Dan's working. Dan's probably working on something. Dan's oh, is there? betting king of the mountain. Oh, Dan handicapping his F one. Big, big race this week. There's a big race.